This is Consumed, the podcast about eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers. And this season, you get two for the price of one. I'm Jamie Lewis. And I'm Matt Cross. And this is my Consumed Podcast Tap Takeover. Okay, now, Matt, what qualifies you to take over this podcast? Well, I eat, drink, think, and now make. Uh Uh-huh. Plus, I was a guest on Consumed for season five. Yes, that's right. Go back and listen to the Matt Cross episode. I will put it in the show notes. Plus, I own the Broad Street Public House in San Luis Obispo. Mm -hmm. And I know everybody on the Central Coast because I've been a local musician for decades. I've probably played for at least half of your listeners' weddings. Yes, these are all very good reasons. I'm just now remembering why this was okay with me. So, listener, with the Tap Takeover, I asked Matt to choose every guest and to join me for a chat as we get to know these guests better. These are people I've met over the years and thought they'd be good for an interesting conversation. And you were not wrong, my friend. I was not wrong. Shall we get into it? Yes, let's do it. This is Consumed. Maggie Perbilski and Morgan Murphy helm Two Broads Cider Works, a cidery in San Luis Obispo they launched in 2017. They opened our eyes very wide to the process of turning local apples into dry, beautiful cider. This is what you might know as hard cider, an apple cider that has fermented and become alcoholic. And San Luis Obispo County is really great for cider making because we have such a strong tradition of apple growing here, and Two Broad Cider really makes the most of it. If you love cider, you'll enjoy hearing about Maggie and Morgan's methods, tastes, and travels. And if you don't currently drink cider, I guarantee you'll want to give it a try after hearing us drink it. Speaking of hearing us drink it, you'll get a fair amount of that here. And I apologize for any table noise you get from our bottles and glasses. But here they are, Maggie Perbilski and Morgan Murphy, talking about keeving, ice cider, spitters, and bitter sharps with me and Matt Cross. Okay, so... Maggie Probilski. Yes. And Morgan. What's your last name, Morgan? Murphy. Are we recording? Yeah. Or, I mean, oh, we just... Oh, okay. She just, just goes. She doesn't give you a start. She nope. There's no start. <laughs> okay. Well, tell me a little bit. What's the name of this cider that we have in front of us? This is Push Mower. Okay. And this is very low ABV for a cider. Yeah. But when you taste it, you wouldn't necessarily think that right away. Right. It's... Well, um, and it's, it's a weird one, too. The way it was made is pretty weird. Yeah. If you've, have you ever heard of ice cider? Is it like ice wine, where well, it freezes and all the sugars? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you can make it two, two ways. You can pick the frozen fruit off the tree or vine, and then you, or you can press the juice and let it freeze. Yeah. And as it's freezing, it, it separates the pure water on top, and then you get this really concentrated juice at the bottom. Right. So we do make an ice-style cider. We can't really call it ice cider because we don't have a natural freeze in California. Yeah. But huh. the stuff that's left over... The stuff that le- we, we fermented it, we added a little bit of bittersweet apple juice mm. and a little bit of quince and hops. Yeah. Yep. Quince. I love quince. Do you have quince? There's quince in this neighborhood. <laughs> I've seen it. I've smelled Seriously? it. Seriously? Quince hunt. There's somewhere. I've but I have Membrio in the fridge. Oh, girl. Mm-hmm. And I, I bought it from Farmhouse when they went out of business. I <sighs> came over and they had... Tons of it, and I just love that flavor so much. I have a bunch of frozen quince in the freezer. I'm gonna make. Yeah, I'm gonna make it. So quince (laughs) does grow here. Oh yeah, yeah. it's really it's anything. Okay, well this is beautiful. And when you say low ABV, you mean that three point five is. Oh wow, it's great. It's a kids' drink. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you you say kids, but there's actually like the style could be called ciderkin. Mm. Um, really? Because it's like 
the cider you give to kids. Right, basically. right, right. Because it doesn't. You know. <laughs> so the uh, the original kind of method is. Um, are you familiar with piquette wine? No. No. Um, basically, like you you have your press day, you press your fruit, and then basically you add water back and rehydrate it, and then press it again. Mm-hmm. And that second running is usually like lower sugar, so you have a lower potential alcohol. Yeah. And it, sometimes it's funkier because it's been like. Um, out in the oxygen for longer and there's more bugs kind of going on. So piquette is like the wine version of that, which is sort of like a thing now. Like some people make piquettes. It's coming around. Um, I mean, yeah, that sounds, sounds like one of those things going around. You know, yeah. like the orange wine COVID, and the pet <laughs> COVID, <laughs> Omicron. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I'd love to hear uh, how you guys got it started in, in making cider. Um, it was through beer, actually. Nice. <laughs> we, um, when I met Morgan, she was home brewing beer mm-hmm. because she couldn't buy beer. And little loophole there. Little loophole <laughs> there. Wait, why couldn't you buy beer? Because I was not 21. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, was there a crime committed? Or- <laughs> well, <laughs> religious beliefs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. And we basically, at that point, had all the equipment to make wine. With the, with the large carboys. So we would go to go for Glen mm-hmm. and do all the apple tasting stuff that they had there, which is another reason why we fell in love with apples. Um, and then Morgan would buy the juice. And then there was this one year where we bought, we made three different ciders, early, middle, and late season. Mm-hmm. And they were all different. And we were like, whoa, it kind of blew our minds a little bit. And then we, we traveled a little bit when airfare was cheaper mm-hmm. and we were traveling lighter. Um, and we went to France and England and Spain, Spain, and we Which tasted have... the cider tradition there. And we were like, yeah. oh, my God, blown yes. again. I would love to do that. Can you say what the difference is? I mean, like in a nutshell, a French style, an English style, and a Spanish style. I mean, is it the kind of thing you could put into a nutshell? A little I, bit. I could taste the difference. So Spanish um, typically has more of, um, like an acidic quality. So if you think of kombucha yeah. or like certain sour beers, Tart. yeah, it's got that vinegary kind mm. of note, um, which like in most wines is like a fault. They're like, oh, it's acidic, tossing it. Mm. Like in Spain, it's they like that. And it has to do with how they press. They press like really long and slow. Mm. So there's a lot of oxygen as it's being pressed, which yeah. kind of leads to uh, acetic bacteria kind of adding something to the mix. Um, French cider is usually sweeter. Um, it's naturally sweeter versus like a lot of sweet ciders you'll get today are like kind of artificially sweet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do that through a process of called keeving, which is sort of depriving the must of nutrients. So the, okay. so it, it can't finish fermentation basically. Is it inert? Is that what it is? Is it's just completely unexposed to... Um, Oxygen? So they have a... So keeving creates something called a, a chapeau brune. I'm probably butchering oh, that. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. And, and it's sort of like this congealed mass, and it sort of absorbs a lot of the nutrients into yes. like a big mass, and then they rack off the juice. And they do that a couple times until there's less like free amino nitrogens for the, the yeast to like use and just general like nutrients for them to like multiply. So they just kind of die off and then you're left like with a naturally sweet cider. Is that anything like carbonic maceration? Do you know that in wine? It's not like that at all? No. Okay. I kind of feel like I stumbled into like 
bring the 204 and I skipped the first two classes. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I mean, I'm I, just going back and forth looking at you guys. No. This is fascinating. I know about three quarters of what we're talking about. But it's, uh, well, the only reason I bring it, carbonic maceration is mm-hmm. wines that a lot of, I think a lot of Beaujolais is like that. Mm-hmm. And it's a, where they're, if I'm remembering right, oh, if Eric Johnson is listening to this, he's going to beat me. But I think it's where a cap forms and something about the skins, I think, are redistributed. They they disintegrate and they get worked into the overall wine. And something about the way that happens makes it taste like bubble gum or smell like bubble gum or cotton candy. Um, I love carbonic macerated wines. Not what you're dealing with, but yeah. I just it makes me think of how much I love that style. Yeah, and people like some cider makers have experimented with it. So like generally, it's you're fermenting in the skins under a blanket of CO2. So there's less like oxygen involved. Yeah. And the yeast has penetrated the skin. It's inside the fruit. Okay. So it kind of just like dissolves in the fruit and Mm. it, I couldn't tell you the science behind that. I'm still learning about that one, but But keeving is what you called it, right? That's Mm -hmm. what it is. Okay. I'm going to look into that. That's interesting. Yeah. And, um, so that's like the French style, like that's kind of notable for French style ciders is sort of that um, natural sweetness. Um, are English ciders artificially sweetened? Some of them are. I mean, yeah. most commercial ciders are artificially sweetened, okay. to be honest, um, because cider wants to be dry. Um, it's just very easy to ferment to dryness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the palate, people's palate, when they think of cider, they think of sweet yeah. because I don't know if it's because of Martinelli's. Not no shade to Martinelli's. Love Martinelli's. Yeah. Fabulous product. Um, <laughs> and then I think if we're talking about English cider, I'm going to argue with you a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to argue Do that I, 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 haven't <laughs> I haven't gotten to English cider yet. Though. Oh, well, I'm I. Let's move on to English cider, and then I'm going to argue with you just a little bit. <laughs> so English cider, I feel, is funkier. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel it's also more acidic than Spanish cider. Hmm. I think Spanish cider, has maybe it has more volatile acidity, but the acetic quality is less. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I, I kind of latch on to the acetic quality just because it is it's a volatile acid. acidity. It is but like high in this, acid. There's more going on with Spanish cider that's harder to describe that yeah. I honestly don't even understand. At this but point. complex, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And they're all really distinct to... And the other part is that they're different is because they have different apples in their tradition. Mm. Right. A lot more bittersweets, bitter sharps, um, as well as the sweets, which we refer to as dessert apples. Um, did I miss one? Bitter sharp, bittersweet, sharp. Well, we should probably talk about these weird words like bitter sharp. Yeah, well, it's the first time I've ever heard that before. Okay, so you're going to hear dessert apples, uh-huh. uh, cul- which are culinary apples. You're going to hear cider apples, and you're going to hear a lot about heirloom apples. And cider makers are using all of these. Um, so let's start with the terms. This is coming out of the English tradition. Bitter refers to tannin because apples can have a fair amount of tannin. It depends on which apples. Like if we're talking about a Nihau, N-E-H-O-U, that's a really tannic apple. You don't want it. That's a spitter. As wow. um, Michael Pollan would say, they're called spitters. <laughs> as well as crab apples are, are pretty high in tannin as well. And a crab apple, I would also say, is very acidic. So we would call that a bitter sharp because the sharp is referring to the acid. And then sweet, obviously, is referring to the amount of sweetness in the balance when you're biting it. 
That's amazing. And yeah. it's not it's, it's not subjective. It's something that like a Nihal is this and a Granny Smith is a mm-hmm. dessert. So there's no like it's not like you're tasting each individual apple and being like, oh, that's a such and such. And then you have another one of the same variety. And no. They're all in strata or like Yeah, I mean, they're also on a continuum as well because Yarlington Mills is a delicious English apple to eat. But it's also got a good... We have that. We brought that too. Nice. Um, It's also got a good amount of tannin to balance out the sweet and the acid that it has. Mm. Yeah, so an interesting thing with ciders versus wines is there's a lot of blending going on. So you'll have kind of a, a blend of, you know, you want your tannin, so you look for something with a bitter sharp or bitter sweet component and then you want a little acidity so you're looking for sharps or bitter sharps or sweet sharps or whatever and and you kind of build a blend to make a juice that's like balanced yeah um but you can have some apples that are just good on their own that make a single variety cider so um like Harrison is an apple that makes a really good single variety Arkansas black works well (laughs) Darlington Mill um so yeah, it's it's New usually there's a blend going on, but sometimes you can have a single variety that's like just good. How fun to explore all of those. Mm-hmm. How do you but how do you get access to something like I know Sea Canyon and I think I think apples are probably grown in Paso somewhere. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's only so many varieties available here. So if you wanted to mess with Harrington, where would you how would you get that? Um we we just kind of, we're on the Instagram and the, the Instagram <laughs> provides a really great network for cider makers. Oh, that's cool. And, the, and they're really a generous community to be a part of because they're like, oh, hey, ladies, Bristol's, Bristol's are our big brothers. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to Bristol's. They're mm-hmm. like, hey, ladies, you want some Yarlington Mill from this place in the Sierras? And we're like, yes. <laughs> nice. So that's how we got our first batch of Yarlington Mill. And then we went direct to the source. Um, the people who own Sierra Cider, another shout out, invite you up. Well, I don't know. The previous owners invited us up and we asked. We invited ourselves, basically. <laughs> um, we rented their press. We bought the apples and we pressed it all there and we trucked it all home. Yeah. That was super fun, though. And they're super fun people. Yeah. And there's there's growers who um, are starting to specialize in growing cider-specific varieties for the market because there's there's more cider makers than there are like orchards that have these specific varieties um so it's it's like it's a maturing industry there's there's people coming up who are like providing those better apples um we we hope to be growing them ourselves pretty soon in this area but like locally like it's mostly culinary like dessert fruits and like lots of heirlooms which um, can make good cider. Um, so like an heirloom is like, if you think of like an Arkansas black versus mm-hmm. like, you know, a cosmic crisp, Fuji, whatever you got yeah. at the grocery store is probably not an heirloom. Jazz. <laughs> Jazz. So apples, apples. <laughs> apples have been selected for like, you know, keeping in the store mm. and mm. it's sort of a, you know, least common denominator industrial selection process mm. versus heirlooms, which are like, they're finicky. They don't grow well in commercial settings, um, but usually they have more flavor. But they might not keep as well. Mm, yeah. So there's just it's just harder to like, you know. Before cider was on the scene, where it didn't matter what your fruit looked like, like having an heirloom that might have tasted amazing for one week and then like turned to mush, <laughs> is really a hard yeah. thing to commercialize. Totally. 
Uh, the other thing about supply is, is it's not just commercial growers that we are getting stuff from. Enthusiasts will walk up to us at a festival and be like, hey, we got some apples. You want some apples? And we're like, yeah. How cool is that? <laughs> and that, that would, that's just been really wonderful. Yeah, we have this family who's like, we like your cider the best, and we want you to make cider out of our apples. <laughs> and we're, like, we're going to give you the apples. So we're like, oh, wow. Oh, we're, like, okay. we're like, thank you. <laughs> How fun is that? So, really, really sweet of yeah. them. Well, like being uh, coming from the beer world, when I feel like cider came in, it was all these mass-produced, heavy sugar, like mm-hmm. you know your weekender, alcohol like, pop. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. and it was really cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's on the market for the same as beer or less. Where really, where you guys are coming at it with the ingredients you're bringing up, it's much more like winemaking. Yes, it and, is, and the cost mm-hmm. is much more like winemaking. So yes, that's that's the I think that's the hard part for some of the people that. Came in onto, into the Alcapop you know, ciders. Like, mm-hmm. what? It's four dollars more than my beer, and you're like, mm-hmm. this, this is this is the process. This is what it takes to make a high quality cider. Yeah, and I think that everyone just associate in that same, you know, because in just hearing, the, you know, you guys speak right now, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is much more difficult than just buying a bag yes. of. You know, barley and I mean, beers are difficult to make. I know a lot of brewers and my friends know, not talking shame to any no, of my brewing of friends, not. but you can make beer a lot cheaper and you can make it in bigger mm-hmm. quantities. Well, and this is seasonal, you know. So exactly, exactly. Is... You can make beer year round. You can mm-hmm. get the stuff's already stored and dried and you can keep doing it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's not like you're just going to get, you know, just tons of whatever apple you got or Granny Smith or, you know, yeah. you're trying to hunt down that the more quality yeah. things. And I feel like there's much more to the palate than other ciders For I've sure. tried. Yeah. Well, I do yeah. appreciate those big cider makers for kind of laying the ground floor because as soon as you have cider on the pal and you're like, oh, I like this. I would like to try other things. Mm-hmm. I feel like they, they, they laid a wide mat for us to, to put ourselves on that map somewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're helping to kind of create the category, you know, in stores and everything else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's hard to compete like in the mental space of consumers with that because it's like, why does this cost more than $2? You know, like yeah. what's going on here? And, Go ahead. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's cider makers that, you know, they're buying kind of juice from Washington from like, you know, the apples that you get in the grocery store. Right. They just, you know, basically it's essentially like whatever you buy as treetop. Um, right. It's, it's that juice. Right. And they're, they're making kind of an industrial unified product that mm-hmm. they can re- reproduce and sell and it's like the same from batch to batch right it's just a different perspective and it's, it's cheaper for them like they're probably going to make a crap ton more money than we ever will <laughs> but there's no passions in there though it's not it's not yeah the, it's the not artisan. interesting yeah yeah exactly yeah. they have um they have a lot of money in on the ground floor yeah which we haven't had we are we have this is our savings that we built this place with we've been collecting equipment gradually for the last 10 years and let me tell you, it took two years to find a, a warehouse, the right size, the landlord that wanted us. Um, what's the other thing that was like the sweet spot that made it so hard to like get oh, started? on the sewer, but that <laughs> maybe was... Oh my gosh, yeah. Maybe not the best idea, but I mean, it's it's you're kind of screwed either way. So, I mean, you as a, a wine, like you have wastewater, mm-hmm. like whether you're cleaning your tanks or whatever, and... If you're out like in Slow County somewhere, like the warehouse might be cheap, but it might be on a septic system. And if you dump your waste down the septic, you're killing the septic system. Mm. Right. So you need a separate septic. So like, um, 
liquid gravity, uh, the brewery that used to be there that they, they purchased, um, that area, that street was on like septic for a long time mm-hmm. and they had to, had to like truck their wastewater away. Oh my gosh. So it's like, well, I don't want to do that. So <laughs> we need to find a place that's on the sewer. But then the city wants you to like really, you know, um, prepare your effluent, like, cause if it, if it's, it's the they same sort it. of system, they yeah. have their own system bugs and like, you can like, screw up those bugs Which as well. Is, so. It's fine. It's not that hard to comply with yeah. those things. They monitor my bar. I'm like, we don't dump things down the drain. Like, we, we, we sell <laughs> people to drink. Right. Not, I mean, the, we wash our hands. That's about it. People you know. use the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> but they're like, yeah. we need to check oh, your water. There's yeah. so much more bot in the toilet than there is in what we're pouring down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just always amazed at how I, as a consumer, not a maker, I never think about the, the waste liquid. You know, you think about wineries and how much they dump Right. I mean, and that's the story behind Refined, you know, um, where they reuse mm-hmm, some of mm-hmm. the things that had to be wasted in the first place. But I just forget how much volume there is that goes down the drain. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, it's, a, it's actually tied into like climate change, too. There's, you know, that's generating methane and all these other things. Mm-hmm. So like if and bad smells and like I think Firestone had an issue where their affluent pool was went off and the neighborhood was complaining. So it's, it's an entire like waste management process that you have to think about when you're huge. But even when you're small, like it, it's still something you need to think about. Well, I feel like the wiry has so many wineries, breweries, you know, in comparison to a lot of other communities that they could say that being collectively being a problem versus you being the only one in town or, you know, mm-hmm. for sure. I want to take a minute to shout out to a couple of good friends of this podcast. Consumed is sponsored by Mid-State Containers, Cargo Storage Containers, and Refrigerated Shipping Containers for sale and rent in California. You may not understand how Mid-State Containers could change your life, but the truth is many, many guests on the Consumed podcast use Mid-State for their projects. Containers can serve as wine storage units for case goods, for private collections, and even tasting rooms. They can be refrigerated storage containers for breweries, kegs, and fruit during harvest for wineries. Mid-State Containers outfits coolers and freezers for ranchers, farmers market growers, orchards, and butchers. Containers can make great pop-up coffee bars and berry containers for root cellars. My guest from Season 10, Krista Flieger, from Lonely Palm Ranch, uses her Mid-State Container for an office on her property. Other ideas include schoolrooms, music and photography studios, and there are other things that can be grown, stored, and processed in a mid-state container, so use your imagination and get on their website to request a quote, midstatecontainers.com. Once more, I want to give love to a couple other podcast friends. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Um, Speaking of being small, I mean, how small are you? How much are you making? I think we made 3,000 gallons last year. Mm -hmm. I think we can make up to 5,000, maybe 6,000. We haven't maxed out our production yet. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we're... So, like, when you talk about bigger cideries, like, that 
that becomes a sales and marketing game more than it is about making mm. cider. And mm-hmm. we've, we've always wanted to be small and have a tasting room so that we can make lots of different small batches, like more of like a boutique or nano cider yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that. Um, and direct to consumer, watch people react and all mm-hmm. of that, right? Yeah. So we, we, we don't ever de- want to get huge, I think. Mm. I got you. You, know? mm-hmm. you want to create a destination that people are like, oh, we want to go check. We're in San Luis Obispo. Let's go check out Two Broads. And they've heard, I've heard of it. And yeah, I like that. I do too. I, and for me, I, uh, yeah, I would, if I were making something, I would want to see in, in real time how people react to it. Oh, Maggie's opening. Oh. I don't know. I thought that might be fun. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is Yarlington Mill. So this okay. is a English apple. And this is one single that... Single variety. Single variety. And this came from Mariposa County, the orchard at Sierra Cider. Speaking of tasting room, are you guys, is yours finished or are you almost we're, there? We're, I've been watching you on Instagram, like we're the, very the, close. the painted floors and the counters yeah. and... It seems like are, are you the like hands-on like main like woodworker construction foreman all that whatever needs to happen <laughs> basically yeah it's, um, I've been really impressed watching all the things you guys have tackled yeah it, I mean so the story is beginning of 2020 took most of our savings through it at a contractor and signed permits away and started construction like right <laughs> right in January. <laughs> Perfect. What could possibly go wrong? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> bullshit. Uh, <laughs> we were completely wholesale at that point. Yeah. So we. So I mean, and then and 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 to be honest, in 2021, like the pro- that project, like the contractor kind of handed it off to us and got as much done as the big stuff at the end of 2020. And by then, I, I mean to be quite honest, I was burnt out. Like depression and everything else yes. and like wondering what the hell like why are we even opening a bar like mm-hmm. is this i think a lot about the sunk cost fallacy you know Wait, what do you think about what the sunk cost fallacy it's like what is that it's a fallacy where you you know think that if you put more money into something it's like come back to you. it's gonna come back to you oh it's, yeah. like a, it's, it's a gambling yeah. kind of thing I but it's that i've already spent this much amount of time on it am i really gonna give it up now and and let all my all my effort be for nothing kind Too of thing. Too deep in to walk away. I went through the mm-hmm. exact same thing with the bar. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, uh, we're shut down for how long? Like, I'm not going to fix the toilet because I don't know if it's going to, mm-hmm. if we're going to be I don't know if I can afford to fix exactly. the toilet. I might have money. I might have no money. I, don't, mm-hmm. I might lose all my money. I think yeah. there were a lot of people uh-huh. very depressed. And a lot of people did. I mean, there a lot of businesses shut down. Yeah. Bars didn't make it. It's it, been rough. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, rough. though, for you. I mean, a lot of people had just opened. I mean, you guys have not been open. Been a year and a half. We were yeah. Open, yeah. But then to not even have started and to have that yeah. momentum and then mm-hmm. have it cut off. Yeah. Unique. I mean, we did have wholesale. We Our first commercial batch was in 2017. And we just, we just been doing wholesale until then. But when wholesale completely dried up, we were like, oh, I can't curse on this podcast, can I? Can. Okay. Absolutely. I was like, shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do? And I was working at Lunar Red at the time. I'd been there for eight years, um, just kind of expecting to leave at any time for, to jump over to this business. And so I had no work. So Morgan's like, all right, maybe let's set up this Square website and go direct to customer right now because that's what we're going to have to do. Yeah. 
And so, a good move. Yeah, we started mm-hmm. with Square. We started delivering to people's houses. Um, we were we did a Kickstarter in June, which was rough because I was because the the George Floyd protests. Oh. And I was like, gosh. <laughs> It felt weird to ask for money. It really, really did. Like, it it really always did. feels weird to ask for money to do the things <laughs> you want to do. Especially at that time. At that time. Oh, yeah, of course. And it was Pride Month. And I was like, oh, it's perfect. We're a queer business. We'll, we'll do this during Pride Month, and it'll be great. And now I'm really, really happy the conversations got started for the Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just kind of like, oh, we were so torn. We were just so torn. But that helped to get us through 2020 as well. And then we added our club membership in the end, at the end of December, and that's pretty much helped us survive through 2021. Right on. And people went for that. They're yeah. into it. That's mm-hmm. great. Some yeah, strangers so are joining it, too. Isn't that crazy? That's really... You're like, I don't know this person, and they like what we yes. do. I don't know why it surprises us. Well, because it's... It, because you... I mean, you have to put so much into it, and you don't maybe ever think that someone... It's like, when you're a musician, mm-hmm. if you, have you ever written a song? you songwriter? I am not. Okay, well, I, I've written a couple songs, and I at know. one point, seeing somebody singing along with my song that I didn't know was like, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. in the world? You just picture it being a solitary thing. The moment it goes outside mm-hmm. of you and somebody responds positively, it's pretty freaky and yeah. awesome. I guess we're just not used to it yet. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, we love having our friends over and cooking for people that was rough not being able to do that for a long time yeah was rough. totally so and we're used to like having that kind of enjoyment and that feedback from our friends it's i guess it's just weird i guess we're just getting used to it with strangers yeah, yeah. yeah. for sure but it also feels good to get that feedback that we're we're not just pleasing our own palates we're right. pleasing other people's palates as well so yeah. I, I read in, um, I think, Maggie, you wrote a piece for Edible Slow, mm-hmm. which was lovely. Um, but you. you mentioned palindromes. Yes. Mm. And I, look at the, Morgan was looking out the window and she turned. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Why was that pizza so good? And I love that you bring it up because a lot of people don't know about I know. That I walk pizzeria. by that area all the time and I'm just like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, I like that. Where was I? Know, I don't know it. It was you totally. Did it was right up there. from the Palm Street. It was right at. Yeah, it was like two doors down from the Palm. Ox and Anchor is there now. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a little squat square mm-hmm. building. A lot that looked a lot no, like. I, the Palm. I, I have no recollection of it whatsoever. You definitely were around for it. I, I well, I've been here for since '99, but I don't remember. It, it Ooh, hey, 99. me too. '99. Hey. <laughs> they, you missed they, it. They, they, yeah, they were there. From 97 to at least 98, but okay. I, they might have closed either 2000 or 99. I think maybe I don't when that first came, but yeah, I was in a different, I was a different person 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, wait, what? Describe what that pizza was. It was a Chicago style deep mm. dish pizza and you, you could get a stuffed one, right? You, there was like a, a second layer of crust. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> almost like, I like how you described it. It was almost like a casserole. Honestly. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wait, so our, our friends from New York would just, they would say, that's not a pizza, it's a casserole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fine. And Fine. It's, yeah. it's whatever. I don't care. It's Call delicious. What you want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I whatever. won't argue it's about good. semantics. So you, yeah. <laughs> so you guys mentioned, you brought up being a queer business. Uh, in San Luis, I like to think that it's pretty woke and open minded, but has there been any, any fallback or any. Uh... Not to our face, though. Not, we know yeah, not, not to our face. That yeah. doesn't mean that we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, or uh-huh. so we and we so we don't really know how being queer has affected us, and, uh-huh. and being out has been a little bit scary because this is 
unfortunately not the most um, safe area for all people. Yeah, I mean, we we have, uh, you know, friends and they're gay, but they're also Hispanic. And, and I think whiteness is the thing in this area that <laughs> is maybe more important <laughs> yeah. as a, you know, if you're gay and you're not white, you know, that's like a he double. Like he, he just doesn't see himself anywhere. And he, uh, he came from San Francisco and he's like talking about moving back. And it's, it's just, tough. it's hard. It's tough. And like, that's kind of what we hope with our tasting room is that we can be a magnet and like a gathering place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's another reason why we want it. That's cool. I like, we tried to establish ourselves as friendly to the community as mm-hmm. well, oh, George, which is hard when we're George and Rick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just, it's hard when we're, when we're straight to, to, to dive into it mm-hmm. too much, you know, but like, like the times I've hosted and they're like, Oh, that's awesome. You're gay. I'm like, no, but I love that you are. Like, it's okay. <laughs> you know, like, Oh, then why are you having, you know, pride night? I'm like, cause we I like everybody. You. Like, yeah. we want to look, you know, that you're liked and yeah. But yeah, I was like, Oh, so, um, yeah, we're trying to get that started up again, but it'd be, I hope we can partner up with you guys again and, That'd be continue super fun. to promote that. Mm-hmm. And saying that again, uh, you know, I, I really did have a re mindset uh, as we began our conversation just today, um, looking at this more from the wine perspective than the beer perspective, because it is it's so funny when you look at pricing for wine and beer, how you just expect this cost or, the, or this cost, and you guys are definitely not, you know, if you're not in a separate category. I think it's mm-hmm. it's more of the artisan nano cidery than it is, you know, the pop a can of red apple cider that, yeah you know. it's definitely a hard mind adjustment but when we get we do have a few people come in to pick up bottles we have some regular office hours so um if i'm not too busy cleaning kegs then i'll be like hey y'all want the tour while you're here and i'll just like point out all the equipment and walk them through the process just so they they know how much hands-on we're doing mm-hmm. and i think that helps to change people's perception about what cider is yeah um but it, it's hard It's hard to go to a wine festival and have somebody walk up and be like, hey, what do you have? Oh, I have cider. Oh, I don't like cider. And then just walk away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Or so. it's the same at, at a beer festival. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you could get the same, the same uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, almost a prejudice. Yes, yeah, thank you. They're just, prejudice. They just write you right off. Yeah. Um, but we're the palate cleanser at beer festivals. <laughs> That's actually <laughs> That's very how true. we feel. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think the the recent, you know, everyone finding out if they're sensitive to gluten or not too. Yes. I feel like that's only been for a few years that's and people definitely are realizing part of it. that's what's wrecking their gut or whatever. Yep. As I speak, one of my sponsors, James Onaveros, is in New York City pouring at the Wine and Spirits Top 100 Wineries event. And why? Because Native Nine Wine has been named one of the top 100 wineries in the world, along with a couple other consumed alums, Scar of the Sea, Aubon Clement, and Tally Vineyards. It's incredible to think how each of these people and their wineries started at the bottom and worked their way up. For James, wine, and particularly Pinot Noir, has been a lifelong pursuit. You can learn all about James, the land he lives on and works, and his wines during a private tasting at the ranch in Santa Maria Valley. As the folks at Ranchos de Anaveros say, this is not your average tasting experience. Plan to be out there for like two to three hours and bring your boots. For more information, visit ranchosdeanaveros.com. The Consumed Podcast is sponsored by Slow Life Magazine, a semi-monthly lifestyle publication that highlights what makes San Luis Obispo so special. I write the food column for Slow Life, and we've sort of changed up the format in recent months, and I really like where it's headed. I've been featuring just one local food-related business and really drilling down to discover what makes it tick. 
For the April 2022 issue, I interviewed Fabian Tefera about her Ethiopian takeout restaurant, Ebony Slow. Yep, you may recognize Fabian's name because she was on the first season of this podcast in 2019. If you want to know more about Ebony Slow and Ethiopian food here on the Central Coast, check out that issue of Slow Life Magazine or visit slowlifemagazine.com. Mikey Juni with Scar of the Sea. Yes, I've been trying to get in touch with him. Mikey, call me. Mikey, what's wrong with you? <laughs> call Maggie, jeez. Um, he was on, and he. it's funny because I said, because he makes cider and he makes Pinot and Chardonnay, I was like, oh, mm. so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it must be so much less expensive. You must have such a great margin on your cider. And he's like, no, actually. And it's harder to get people to pay what it's worth. Yeah. And I, I was so wrong about that. That was so interesting. I'm going to pour you just a little bit more of yeah, the Yarlington. Yeah, and let's talk about this. So I feel like this has slightly more of the, not it's not acetic like I'm sure a Spanish is, but it has more of that tangy. Mm. Tannin, mm. yeah. It's yeah. like drying out kind of yep. the back. But not as a, I feel like some ciders I have are, you just make me quiver a little bit. Like, I, I'm like you know, mm. you kind of get that. But this yes. all has been really smooth. I mean, totally. Yeah, like, this has got a, a like a lovely tartness like right up. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you were going to tell me what kind of flavors you're tasting, mm-hmm. I'm testing, I'm not testing you. Yeah. Well, please not- don't cause I'll, I'll be a failure, but I mean, well, okay. All right. Everybody's, remember everybody's palate is different. So there's really no wrong answers. And that's another thing that we have to remember when people are tasting our cider, because mm-hmm. everybody's going to experience a little bit differently. I'm also so out of practice. You know, how, <laughs> like, when you're tasting cider constantly or wine or beer or whatever, you get so good at isolating things. I'm mm-hmm. so out of practice. But I feel like pineapple, guava, something mm-hmm. tropical, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I always think lemon. There's a, little, yeah, yeah. there's a little of that sour funk to it but not offensive like, yeah yeah mm. i think that's the tannin i think that's yeah, coming yeah. from yeah. the tannin because um, this is a pretty clean fermentation we do like to pitch a yeast mm-hmm. because we're we're a young business and we don't really know what wild fermentation is sure, going to do our project wild card yeah so um so we're pretty careful we do some wild cider as well some native yeast fermentations but just to be we we just we're just going to control it just mm-hmm. because we're still getting we're our name out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, something that's incredible to me is these do not taste wildly different in terms of alcohol, but they are wildly mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. The first one was three and a half mm-hmm. and the second one is eight and a half. That's a huge difference. I know. So California yeah. apples also were warmer climate. We get higher ABVs than the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And since I was at CiderCon, I can say this. This is a thing that people say. Mm. Um, Even within yeah. the county, like, uh, so the apples from our orchard usually have less sugar, more acidity than what we get from mm-hmm. the orchards up in Paso, just yeah. because it's yeah. hotter. It's the same thing with grapes. It's like the more the more heat you have, the faster it kind of yeah. develops the sugars. Mm-hmm. Are you in Avila? You have an orchard out there? Or? We do. We signed a lease with the Land Conservancy. Now we so we're two miles from the ocean. We're next to the the we're in the same area that Slow Creek Farm does, yes. and then Gopher Glen does the section that's closer to the highway. My gosh, cool. and that's with the Land Conservancy? Yeah. How mm-hmm. cool is that? Well, cool and different. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. fantastically cool because there's no freaking way we'd be able to like buy land and plant an yeah, orchard. Yeah, I was just thinking of an orchard. I'm like, why are you doing better than I thought? <laughs> like, I know. Yeah. I mean, no. it's, a, it's a lot. Um, we thought yeah, we were going to get the orchard and open the tasting room in the same year, and we're just like, oh. Did the Land Conservancy, so is their motivation then 
it's preservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they want to they they keep it in agriculture. Mm-hmm. That is very cool. And, and heritage agriculture for the area, right? Because of apples, that's such a thing. Yeah, I think they, I think I, they really just want us to keep it in orchard. I love yeah. that. Hooray, Land Conservancy. Yeah. yeah, Land Conservancies are interesting little things. I was puzzling about them when, it, when I was looking into them. And I don't know, like, I guess the benefit is that there's some sort of tax benefit for the people who sell the land to them. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know anything about that, but it's, yeah. it's like an interesting microeconomy mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Wait, as far as I mean, so Matt asked about being queer and having a, a the umbrella of queer over your business, but also just gender wise, mm-hmm. coming yeah. two two broads coming into the alcohol beverage industry is really. I can imagine that there's some. Oh, and with cider, which is. So a lot of people think of it as an obscure beverage and take some like, you know, pitching. How has that been for you? No, again, like being queer, nobody's come right out and been like, what, what are you doing here? Yeah. Who the hell are you? Yeah. Um, that's good. There has, that's, that's I mean, good. that's nice. There, there are micro, there's microaggression. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really don't, we're not going to stand for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the cider industry also like, from going to beer conferences and like homebrew conferences versus wine and cider, there's there's much more um, even distribution in the cider industry between men and women, and there's a lot more queer people. I don't know what it is, 20%. but cider cider is sort of twenty percent. Twenty percent of people at CiderCon were queer, and we're like. That's- we're, we were so mad that this was the first year that they That's did. That's insane. The, that this was the first queer meetup <laughs> since they started talking about it four years ago. Huh. <laughs> One out of five. Yeah, which is pretty great. Wow. I, well, it just it begs the question: Why is that something? I have a. I mean, I can I can make up a theory. So cider is neither beer nor wine. Mm-hmm. It's sort of its own thing, and it it doesn't have a history. And so it's basically fertile ground for anybody to be interested in and, and stake a claim. So I think the non-binary beverage, <laughs> <laughs> or just maybe, or, it, you know, it just doesn't have preconceived notions. It doesn't mm. have an established yeah. hierarchy or whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm taking a picture of this because it's so pretty. Oh my gosh. Take Look a picture of that. Pret- oh, it's gold. I feel pretty. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at you! A little musical reference there. You got it. Um, tell me about the names in the artwork. Oh, <laughs> oh I got. We brought you such good artwork. Yes, um, you did. All right, let's start out with. Should we start with further away or closer to home? Well, I mean, yeah. So we like to feature uh, queer artists on our labels. Oh, mm-hmm. awesome. So these mm-hmm. are two different artists. Um, the first one is Sybil Lamb. She's kind of a in the gay world, we have what's called a micro celebrity, I guess you could say, which means like maybe they have two thousand followers on Twitter or something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she's just an artist that I'm familiar with that I've always liked, and I reached out to her. I'm like, hey, would you do label art? Because I think you'd be awesome at it. And she's like, sure. <laughs> she said it very punk rock. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Um, so she's out of Canada. Um, she kind of like squatted in New Orleans after the hurricane for a while. She's it's just a, a she's a character. Um, she's like super fun. Oh my god! And Did she this, do this? You commissioned this artwork, so you had the name and you asked her to do this. Yeah, I I gave her hints on that one. Some other ones Parameters. I didn't give her 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And because this is an audio medium, I'll say that push mower, um, the hopped apple corn cider, the images of um, somebody with platform boots and garters with fishnet tights. I'm like trying to find the words here. <laughs> and shorts pushing a lawnmower with a bunch of apple cores on it. Yeah, it's, it's just a, so cute. It's a push style mower. Right. It's even got a little bike bell on the handle. <laughs> it sure does. Would you look at that? Um, yeah. So the idea with this one is beca- because it's so light and easy to drink, it's what you would be drinking if you were mowing the lawn. They Love talk it. about a lawnmower beer. Yeah, totally. I was just so going to say that. Yeah. So we're kind of riffing off that and we're like, well, how about push mower? Cute. I've never heard of a lawnmower beer before. Oh, yeah. oh. No, that sounds like an injury and a trip to the no, ER. No, because it's so light. Like a Berliner Weiss is yeah. 3%, um, and then yeah. your Pilsners Rattler, are in the four. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I Rattlers, do love Rattlers. me a good Stiegel Rattler. <laughs> <laughs> also, like 3%. No shade. <laughs> no, none at all. Okay, and then the next one that you gave us was the Small Batch. Yeah, so this series. is this is a label that we can just stick different stickers on. Yeah. Because, actually, this Yarlington Mills, I wouldn't say that it's really a small batch. Because we filled it fermenter it's like 120 gallons of a batch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it is a special apple that we wanted to I, I would say that this line of ciders isn't over 120 gallons mm. yeah it's like it's for the series it's just stuff we get once maybe and like or we make comically small batches yeah. like 10 every, gallons or something <laughs> and we'll like, like do every other club year. members buy it up in like five minutes right right well, that's good news. I like to hear that. Mm. Well, I love comically every, small. Everybody wants to get the the, the smaller, mm-hmm. hard to find, like rare bottles, and be like, "But I, I got this kind." Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly. The same with the beer nerds in the beer world, and it is a little like crazy making because we, I think we have like seventeen or eighteen different ciders no, at this point. Uh, Do you really? We have about twenty four SKUs right now. <gasps> oh my word! But wow. they're all, I mean, like you said, there are some that are really small. There's some yeah. that are like five cases. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about this one that we're drinking. Oh, okay. pretty. So one of your previous guests, Sonia Medeski. Oh, I love, I was just reading about her this morning. She's oh, doing cool. so well. Oh, yeah. good. Excellent. So yeah. she, I don't know how, exactly how she found out about us, but she invited us for her speaker series. And then after that, we were like, hey, maybe we should trade fruit. Or juices or whatever. And so... Um, Trade fluids. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't say fluids. I said I did, I did. juices. She went with it. Morgan. <laughs> Too sexy. We should uh, Too sexy. Too sexy. I love how I'm going to say that to Jake. Trade fluids. <laughs> Gross. No, it's fine. It's fine. It. <laughs> um, so she helps us get Grenache grapes. And this is the second year we've done it. So the first time, um, it was a Santa Rita Hills grape. And then we, um, there's that small orchard that we work with in Creston, the Wikis, the family that loves our cider. Um, we used some of their juice to make it a rosé. Cool. Um, so basically we, we start making it like a red wine and then we co-ferment the juices together. Mm-hmm. This year, this is from Lyons Vineyard in Santa Ynez. Um, it's about 30% Grenache. And the rest of the apples came from the orchard that we're running now. Mm-hmm. And we signed the lease really late so everything's dry farmed but we're so pleased with the dry farming mm-hmm. flavor of the apples they're like Braeburn we don't find are super acidic but the acid had developed really really nicely yeah. in yeah. this crop and like we've gotten these apples previous years and the sugar levels were a little bit higher and the acidity was lower and then just just by not irrigating them like the acidity was like, 
so much better. The flavor was more intense and... It was an established orchard, though, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, they're 20-year-old yeah, yeah. trees. They're okay. mostly Braeburn and a little Granny Smith. So this will be, be mostly Braeburn, some Granny Smith, and then Grenache. Is it, well, that's amazing. What was it like to work with wine as well? Did it, oh, Morgan loves it. I love it. <laughs> really? I, I love the shit out of it. Uh, <laughs> it's just really fun. I mean, I, I don't know why. It's just like the smells are like yes. so intense and fun. It's different and fun, too, as um, well. And you yeah. get really tired of pressing apples. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mean because of the physical work? Of like the apples? pressing grapes is just a lot easier. Mm. Um, it seems like it would be. Yeah, actually it stands to reason, yeah. And then like the whole punch down process is, is sort of fun because it smells amazing. Yeah. Some people do that with apples. We're not, uh, we're not sure if we want to do that with apples. We've, we've yeah. had some that... We've had some macerated apple ciders that we didn't like. So until we taste one that we like, I'm not sure that we'll go that method for cider. Mm-hmm. But we've, it is it is fun with wine. Yeah, we've played with maceration. So maceration yes. in the terms of cider is you basically crush your apples and then you just let it sit before you press it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's like kind of sitting crushed in its own skins and mm-hmm. juice. It doesn't kind of separate like it does with wine. It's just kind of like a big kind of porridgey mass. Mm. Mm. Um, and it that's kind of how Spanish-style ciders are sometimes made, is it gets more of that funkiness because it's kind of sitting longer. Mm. So you can extract more tannins that way, you can extract more color that way. Um, but it's, it's, very, it's much more delicate than it is with wine. Like sometimes you can extract more color, but then sometimes it will degrade the tannins versus extract the tannins depending on the variety of the apple. It's, it's still sort of people are still kind of figuring it out. Interesting. Gosh, I just love it. Oh yeah, um, we didn't talk about Dorian yet. About what? Dorian, Dorian's art. We talked about Sybil, but we sorry Dorian, so we got yeah, distracted. She's a good friend of ours. Um, this is great. Dorian and her wife helped get us through the pandemic. Oh. Um, so early early in, like you're like super lonely, you don't see anybody. Mm-hmm. And so we started doing weekly cocktail meetings. Nice. And so, oh, um, Zoom. oh really? Yeah, yeah. Basically, basically weekly cocktail meetings just to like keep each other sane. And I, I really appreciated it. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. And it turns out she's an artist, and she makes super fun art. It is. Yeah, fun. super fun. Totally. Before before we go to, I would love to you to plug a Trace Whiskies as well and give them oh, a <laughs> yeah. side project. Yep. Um, I I'm kind of a musician. <laughs> I, you can own that. that. You can own. How is that? Okay, well, I can sing, right? I can sing. I can't nice. read music for voice. I can't sing. I can't right. read music. Uh, so I, um, and I'm teaching myself a string instrument right now. I'm teaching myself the ukulele. But my ukulele is actually banjo lele. It's got the resonator. Oh, wow. And it's a concert style. So it's a little bit longer than a ukulele, but the, the tuning is the same. So that's why I say I'm, I'm kind of a musician because oh, I'm still, gosh, it's so hard to strum and sing at the same time. I'm finally getting it. It's, I feel like it's taken yeah. several months. I, I started doing it when I was, or I started trying to do it when I was 12, and I got it down pretty good by the time I was 30, so. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll just keep working at it, because yeah. it's, it's possible. Never give up. Never yeah. give up. Yeah. So Tres Whiskies is my, um, it's, a, it's a jazz trio, um, and I've known Chris almost as long as we've lived here, mm-hmm. and I met Terry later, and they're just they're just great guys and they're really fun to make music with. And, and we just kind of, 
we splintered off from our other bands to create this little side project. Because when you have a big, when you have a larger jazz band, it's hard to find the gigs. Yes. Yeah. And when you everyone gets paid, you're like, well, here's your $12. I know, right? 12. Yeah. <laughs> and then it turns out to be a lot of people's time that. Yeah. I know I got my uh, my wife won the the uh, coin toss to go and see you guys play when uh, oh, yeah. with Terry, but she's like I want to go. I'm like so do I. That's <laughs> why I booked them, uh, but I think Mar- you're back March third, fourth uh, March fourth. Oh, Bra- that's three days after this comes out. Broad Street oh, Public hey. House, come okay. on down. So March fourth, mm-hmm, March fourth, six to eight. Okay, fun. Broad Street Public come support. House. Support. And you're do you play the banjo lately? I so we're talking about rotating me in when the boys need to take. I'm sorry, they're not boys. When the gents, <laughs> when the fellas need to take a break, they're talking about rotating me in. So I'm working on a few things. Nice, awesome. Nice. Let me ask you what I ask everybody at the end, Matt. Why don't you ask? Oh, okay. I, I can get this. If uh, it's your, you, you're gonna die. It's your last day on earth. Isn't that it? We always focus on death first. We're gonna die. Uh, what, what is your What is your last meal, and what are you gonna drink with it? Okay. And who's it gonna be with? Is that the thing? Yeah. yeah. Who's there? I gotta say, did you all see? Don't look up. Yes. I I listened to the Adam McKay. The director and the uh-huh. writer. I listened to his episode of Smartless this morning oh. because he's so talented. And anyway, I heard a lot of the back story on that. Okay, so it's a it's a really good ending. Yes, basically, it is. basically the world is ending, and everybody's like mm. they come back, they come together, and they have a really good meal, and everybody's eating what they want to eat. Oh. So this is really good that this is a good question, right? Yeah. Not because we're all going to die. But. <laughs> oh but in the movie, they have like comfort food. Yeah. They have apple pie from the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just beautiful. It yeah. is, yeah. So I would probably try to replicate my top 10 food experiences. Uh, one being those lobster hazelnut mole enchiladas. Wow. Whoa. Where was that this? That we had in Puerto Vallarta. Okay. okay. And then there was that really, really early morning in... Munich, when we had vice versed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was like negative four Celsius. And these men are coming in in their lederhosen with socks on. They're short, you know, short leather pants with their socks. And we're just like, oh, it's so cold. And they're getting one beer in a cooler and then drinking the other one. So they're two fisting it, basically. They're keeping this one cold. Oh. But we had, we had our first vice first and we had it with, um, we call it breakfast beer. Hefeweizen. But this was the Schneider House. It's like a lighter Hefeweizen that they had. Yeah, the Schneider Weiss from the Schneider House. That's a white. That's the white sausage. A blonde sausage. Mm -hmm, Okay, mm -hmm. got it. Oh my gosh, that's so good. So those are two of them. I won't go through all of them. (laughs) Oh, I love it. um, Those are good. But yeah, cheese. I would would probably drink something of every category. (laughs) I would have a cocktail. I'd have a glass of wine. I'd have a glass of beer. And I'd have Mm. some cider. That sounds lovely. And a bourbon. (laughs) <laughs> she keeps talking she's gonna think of more stuff to drink <laughs> okay yeah. morgan i'm sorry I'm oh i love it talked enough well, i don't really know how to top that so <laughs> and like prob- I let you go first. probably i'm, I'm gonna be there so <laughs> um, you're gonna be there you're gonna be there <laughs> that's oh, nice <laughs> i don't know um i mean yeah like f- top 10 food experiences but what would be? I'd have to. I have to pick one, like just one. It's you say whatever your, you want. Your last, if you're going for your last meal, basically. I would probably uh, pick like a really good deep dish pizza, like a beer or yes. something, yes. or wine. Because um, you're not going to be bloated in the morning, right? You're yeah. Really <laughs> <good>. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh 
gosh, yes, the deep dish is a theme. Mm-hmm. It's actually interesting. Like we, when we first were like thinking of, you know, starting a cidery, like before it was actually going to be a brewery that made deep dish pizza. But oh, thank Benny. We don't have to do that anymore. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. He does it just fine. Thank Benny. Yeah. Thank Benny. Yeah, he's been Yeah. You guys are delightful. I Thank didn't you. even ask like where you're from or any of that, oh. but that'll have to be on our next episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we'll bring different stuff on our next episode. Too. Oh, it's just yeah. lovely. Thank also, you so I think much. we have this kitchen table. I love this table. <laughs> Ours, our legs are different, but yeah, it's very similar. Okay, send me a picture of your table. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank thank you. you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to the Consumed Podcast Tap Takeover with the Matt Cross. <laughs> it was super fun. Yeah. Thank you for introducing me to all these new, wonderful people. It was my pleasure. Okay. Time for a beer? Time for a beer. Yay! Woo! Consumed is produced by me, Jamie Lewis, and edited by Chris Lambert. To hear more stories from the eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers of California, to see guest photos, read their bios, maybe even get a recipe, visit letsgetconsumed.com. Thank you, and I'll see you next time.